Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives, here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. I want to get a little bit more into your book. Sure. So there's a few things in here that really capture my interest as a nutritionist. So if we just look at a general rule of thumb, in your book you discuss different ways of eating and why eat organic or biodynamic. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I'd be happy to. And that stems actually from the notion that we all know that in the last 100 to 150 years, thousands of toxins have been introduced in our world that have been chemically, artificially produced. Yes, nature has lots of toxins and our body is made to detoxify and is great at it. But we introduced one toxin after another in that toxic soup and some of them are really bad for us. Like and it takes years and years before the government takes action and removes some of them from our environment. A classic example is DDT that we had in the 60s and 70s. It's still in our fatty uh, tissues. It's still around, although it has been outlawed for decades. Now, one of the modern, very often talked about toxins is glyphosate, Roundup. And that is a terrible toxin. It needs to be removed. But it gets sprayed billions of tons on North America every year. It really concerns me that 70% of the rainwater contains glyphosate, Roundup. We can't even have our own garden without toxins because they rain on us, they are in the rainwater, they are everywhere. Now, if you eat conventional food, though, your toxin exposure is way higher. And when you eat organic food, you can reduce your toxic soup by up to 90%. You can't eliminate toxins. We live in the modern world, but you can reduce it. And for some people, that can be life-saving. And I say some because it always depends. And that's why I made a funny video. I call it the barrel model of disease. May I explain how genetics and environment come together to either hurt us or help us? It really is all about choices. And going back to your point earlier, it is the best option you can eat 
then there's the middle of the road doing the best you can with what you have and then there's the things that occasionally we eat yeah or better avoid like white sugar candy if you can but hey better or vegetable oils so it's bleached cheap deodorized chemically extracted inflammatory vegetable oils i hate them <laughs> well i think that lots of people don't know the difference between different oils and they go out and they feel you know that if they buy canola oil that because it's a vegetable or plant-based that it's safe um and the same is true. Not all olive oils are created equally. Not You know, there's so many things. And that's where working with somebody like yourself or myself helps people yeah. discern through all of those choices. Yeah. And, and I know that you know a lot about that. And uh, that is so important to help the people actually make the choice. I get asked, uh, is light olive oil better than regular olive oil? No not they deodorized it to get the color out that's the only thing and it's at least tasting and it, it, it it's it's the advertising thing it makes you think you can lose weight if you eat light olive oil i guess not it's worse than regular olive oil don't use it the more rule of thumb for me has always been the more processed it is the farther away you stay from it that's right and Generally, the rule is if it grows in the soil or is eaten by animals that live on the soil, then you can eat it. If it's made in a factory, it's better to avoid it. On one of those concentrated animal feedlots where they mistreat the poor animals and, uh, and feed them totally not species normal food. And you discuss that in your book as well about animal rights and your stand on that, which I think is very important because we all share the earth. And that sounds so pie in the sky to some people, but it's a fact that nobody can argue. We all share the earth. So how do you want to treat the other creatures here with us on the earth? Exactly. And we need to treat our fellow humans, but not just the humans, but also the animals, maybe not the black flies. <laughs> <laughs> but they're there for a reason. The chickens love them. <laughs> but I don't love them too much. But otherwise, we need to treat them in a way that's, well, humane is maybe the wrong word, but species-specific yes. and respectful and grateful. And the same applies to plants because we know that plants uh, give up signals. There have been studies that if you holler and are mean to a plant, it dies. If you speak kindly to a plant, it grows better. Absolutely. I love the picture that I saw of you. And I think, I don't know if it was in my newsfeed or your Facebook, and you're totally covered in your bug net out near your black fly season. So we're, we've all been there if you live in the Maritimes. Absolutely. And I had a friend from Germany ask me, that's where originally from, is that kind of a cult you have there? And I said, no, that's black flies, those little pesky flies, and they actually sting. They don't have them in Germany, luckily. Yes, yeah, was, But not those little things that get between your glasses and the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love those jackets. Yes, absolutely. So you also talk about um, food preparation. 
mm-hmm. and processing and how it affects the nutrients in your food. Can you expand on that? That's actually very interesting. And uh, some processing is sometimes beneficial, but if we do it ourselves, it's a very big difference uh, if you have a package of craft dinner and warm that up, or if you cook yourself some, for example, zucchini noodles and make your tomato sauce. For tomatoes, if you eat them raw, it's okay. But if you boil them, the lycopene content actually increases and gets better absorbable. The same for garlic and lesser known for other uh, plants of the same family, like leeks and onions and broccoli and, and, and cauliflower and cabbage. When you cut them up, and let them sit on the air for a few minutes, five or 10 minutes, their uh, amount of detoxifying sulfur compound increases. And then you can cook it and it stays in it. If you cook them right away, you don't get the benefit. And I think that tips like that are things that people just don't know. And they're so used to getting their food almost ready made. And even today with um home delivery meals to your house and things. That's so beneficial, I think, for so many people who cannot get out to do that. Mm -hmm. But it would be very nice to see people realize the value in having fresh fruit and things delivered right to your door like CSA. CSA? Absolutely. CSA is a great community shared agriculture where you sign up for a basket and you get whatever's in season, fresh, organic for a reasonable price. Very different than going to the superstore or super store, supermarket, I should say, to not uh, mention a brand, and, and go to the organic section and uh, buy some uh, maybe organic food from China that nobody knows if it is organic at all. Absolutely. So generally, the more local and in-season you can eat, the better it is. I couldn't agree with you more. And in Canada, that's a little more challenging because we don't have a growing season all year round, but there's certainly ways to cope with that, root vegetables and things like that and buying them and storing them organically. Yeah, and lacto-fermenting them, which for most people is very beneficial for their gut. It's the cheapest uh, probiotic. And I recommend for people that don't have a lot of money, can't afford the supplements, hey, buy raw sauerkraut and eat a teaspoon three times a day there's a probiotic and even sauerkraut so exceptionally easy to make yes you can make it yourself it's really easy just mash it with some salt and put some uh, so draw some brine let it stand a few days and you have a beautiful sauerkraut i made some red cabbage sauerkraut delicious Nice. And I think that's another thing. People haven't had the opportunity to look into how simple some of these things are. And cabbage can be very affordable. Even organic cabbage can be very affordable and you can make things like that at home so easily. That's right. And it's really not that much work if you cook ahead and maybe freeze some. Freezing uh, preserves most of the nutrient content more than just shelf life on the store. So sometimes it's better to buy frozen product than to buy, uh, for example, berries. When you buy them in the winter in Canada, strawberries are not in season, sorry. So if you buy strawberries, they usually have no taste and no nutrition, but still look 
weight because that's what they're bred for. So it's better to eat uh, <laughs> frozen strawberries at that point. And obviously strawberries are on the top of the dirty dozen list of the ewg.org. So if you can at all afford it, have the organic ones. I think the dirty dozen list is a great reference that maybe not not enough people know about. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely worth people looking up. The ewg.org. And in my new BMST course, I always have the newest version accessible so people can directly see what to eat, what not to eat. And this brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio. Please tune in after the commercial break for more. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I am your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. So a lot of people don't know about the Dirty Dozen resource. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the uh, ewg.org, the Environmental Working Group, has a great resource uh, not just of the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 food groups, but also of cosmetics and other skincare products and food products. And so you can really uh, browse their website and see a lot of very good resources. And the Dirty Dozen is a list of the foods for a year that have been found in the past year to be the most contaminated with pesticides and herbicides, whereas the Clean 15 those are foods that are the least contaminated. So if you can't afford to buy all your food organic, the ones on the Clean 15 list are usually the first to buy non-organic. That's, that's great information for people to be able to access for sure. Absolutely. And you can find it easily on the ewg.org website, and I'll share the link below. And uh, it's in my BMST course. I always uh, take a picture of the Clean 15 uh, with a link to the ewg.org. So people have an idea of what it really is. That's awesome. So I want to ask you a little bit about something that at this point in time might be a little controversial. Mm -hmm. lots, of, <laughs> lots of people are totally avoiding breads, pastas, grains, and eliminating all of those things from their diet. Mm -hmm. You discuss in your book some of the best ones you can have, the acceptable, and the ones to avoid. And I would just like you to discuss a little bit about the benefits of some of the grains that can actually happen for people in their diet. Yeah, grains are from tendency, if they are organic, whole grains, non-GMO, ideally an old strain, especially uh, if you choose to eat gluten-containing food. I myself eat red fifey wheat, but only the organically grown variety that is grown the same for 140 years. 
The difference is that the old variety have a low gluten content, no GMO, no genetically modification, and have way less pesticides than the modern varieties. Now, when grains, and especially wheat, the modern variety has way higher gluten content. Now, you know, as an avid baker, without gluten, your bread is not as spongy. And we all know the Wonder Bread, my pet peeve. No wonder we're all sick. And when you squeeze it, it is really spongy. That's not normal. There's a great book, actually. I have it as an audiobook. It's called Folks, This Ain't Normal, the best audiobook I ever heard. <laughs> Who is that by? Ooh, it's a farmer from the States. Uh, it's an organic and biodynamic farmer. And he talks about uh, very funny, actually, very entertaining and good content about uh, what's not normal nowadays. And he goes into it. He doesn't hold back. <laughs> he said when the kids come to his farm, he get asked, where do the chicken nuggets grow? <laughs> On the chickens. <laughs> That's how far we are away from our food. It's surprising how far away we are from the food chain and how so many kids often, when they walk to the grocery store, have no idea that the steak comes from a cow and the pork chop comes from a pig. And, mm -hmm. and that sounds crazy, but I've actually witnessed it myself. And, and it actually leads to perversions in a way that people, when they know I raise meat birds, that yes, they get slaughtered for food, but I'm very grateful for each chicken that dies for me to eat and I use every part. And I have people tell me, how can you eat a chicken that you know? Bah, how can you eat a chicken that you know was raised in a concentrated animal feedlot, had to spend its poor life in a tiny cage, unhappy, in pain, and then was slaughtered in the most fastest and usually not very humane way? You'd rather eat one like that from the supermarket? I don't get it. Sorry. I agree, but you and I both raised chickens for eggs and for meat. So. Because we know that it's normal to have some animal food. It's not normal to have a steak every day. And it comes, it stems from our history. And we have to go back 10,000 years. We don't learn that in school sometimes anymore. How did we live 10, 20,000 years ago, a million years ago? How did we live really? When you think about it, we were hunters and gatherers. So, Depending on where we lived, we used to hunt for food, got a piece of deer, killed it, said grace, thanked God for it or spirit or whatever we believed in. And the natives still do it today. And I love that. And they thank the animal that died for them and are grateful for it. And I think we have to be grateful that we can eat animals and be nourished by it but if you just wolf it down and get fat from it and sick from it and the animal wasn't raised properly it's not right and the animal 10,000 years ago yes it was eaten it was shared between the whole group and then it was eaten and then there may be nothing to eat for a few weeks our bodies is made for that it's now called <laughs> intermittent fasting it's just a natural way of eating 
If you don't have food, you don't eat. It's not a big deal. We now think we have to have six small meals a day. Now, what a crap is that? If you don't feel like eating, if you're not hungry, we shouldn't eat. And years ago, when we couldn't hunt, when we didn't find a deer, what did we do? We dug out roots, we looked for berries, we ate leaves here, we ate later grains when, when we found them. In some cultures, grains were part of the culture for longer. And then when you go back and go for the research, early research in the 20th century, all cultures ate some animal protein, be it maggots, insects, eggs, blood for the Maasai, all in, uh, cultures ate some animal products, not as much as we do now. And I think that's the difference because we tend to, as a society, especially in North America, eat too many things to excess and meat is one of those things mm -hmm. and that has led to huge feedlots because people are eating steaks every night and pork chops every night and and I am a meat eater but I'm very pro eating um, humanely raised and in moderation it doesn't have to be every day and there's nothing wrong with and I mean it's a crazy time of year. My lawn is full of dandelions and I can't possibly pick them all, but I can go out and I have this fancy little root puller you just put over and you tip it and I can have enough dandelion root and dandelion tea and things that are considered a weed now that before were always a medicinal. Yeah, and, and I always question the uh, necessity of a manicured green lawn. Why do we need that? And I love my dandelions and I had a dandelion salad not long ago. It was delicious. The green leaves, if they're not grown where there's a highway next door or where there's animal defecating, they are delicious as a salad. Yeah, they are one of the things that actually help support great digestion. Absolutely. And you can make a good spinach out of it. Yes. It was the go-to in war times. I know in, in Germany, my mother told me when there's in the war, they didn't have nothing to eat, but they had dandelions. They harvested them and, had, and they had uh, stinging nettles. They yeah. made let, uh, uh, spinach out of that and it was delicious. They don't sting when they're cooked. There's foods all around us all the time. We just have been desensitized to it and, and have been conditioned to go shop at a grocery store instead of... And even if you go to some of the biodynamic farms and farm markets, oftentimes you can buy things like dandelion leaves. You can buy elderberries, hawthorn berries, things that grow locally. And I'm sure no matter where somebody lives, there's things accessible to them that grow locally. Yes, absolutely. And uh, if you don't have a garden, you still can uh, eat relatively good food. And if you have a garden you sometimes still want to substitute because you can't grow everything unless you have a real big garden. And I focus on the green leafy greens because they tend to be the most expensive when you buy them organically. And they are on the, on the dirty dozen list big time. And that's a great way to focus on what you grow. Mm. And I choose not to grow corn. It's just not worth my time, I find. And potatoes I choose not to grow, although you should eat them organic if you can. But uh, and, and you asked me before about grains. 
let's go a little bit more into that. And I made a little video about, it's a fun video. I said, it's not the gluten's fault, and it isn't. It is the processing and the toxins that ruin our gut and make us gluten sensitive. So many of us now are gluten sensitive. Now, do they have to avoid gluten generally forever? Not necessarily. Some do, some don't. When the gut is fixed, some can introduce some of the foods in a natural form. I don't like white flour. White flour is nothing else but the starch part of the wheat kernel milled so fine that in your mouth, the enzymes in your saliva break it down to sugar. That's why when you chew the white bread, it tastes sweet. It's a sugar that you make out of the flour. When you eat real whole grain bread, not what the supermarkets call whole grain bread, it's still processed uh, <laughs> white bread in a way. It's just fake bread. And if you make your own real whole grain bread, and I do, it tastes different. It digests different. I Believe me, you have to go after a while. It makes you very regular. Let's put it that way. That's a good thing. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't give you the shits, by all means. <laughs> I have to tell it as it is. Absolutely. My dear husband, he always keeps me grounded. He says, we all eat the same, we all shit the same. Isn't he right? Yes, absolutely, he's right. Yeah. And this brings us to the end of today's show. Please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments, or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact me, my email here is christine at communityradio.ca or you can contact me through my website docchristine.com D-O-C-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot com. I'm always grateful for any feedback. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station. And we even have an art gallery. If you're local and you'd like to drop in, we are at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOEFM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.